Well, Steve Harris, you're from Anova Energy. Tell me a short bit about Anova Energy. Anova Energy is a uh, the first, uh, actually Australia's first community-owned energy retailer. Uh, we're based here in the uh, the northern rivers region of New South Wales. Um, we're in the process of uh, we've we've just been through a capital raising. We've raised nearly four million dollars to uh, to enable us to start up to uh, start to sell. Uh, energy to customers uh, in this region. We um, basically we we started because the large energy retailers weren't supporting uh, small community renewable generation projects. So there's a lot of interest in in this region about people wanting to uh, to take action on climate change. Electricity is the single biggest contributor to uh, Australia's greenhouse gas emissions. People are wanting to, to do something about that, not getting uh, much of a, uh, a warm uh, feeling from, from the present government on what's going on, so uh, they're, they're wanting to take matters into their own hands, they're wanting to build and, and run their own renewable generation. So um, as a retailer, uh, we're, uh, we're dedicated to supporting uh, those community projects to, uh, to buy the energy from them and to on-sell that to, uh, to other customers in the region. Yeah, nice one. So you, you've gone with community-owned, like you say. So what is community-owned? It's um, in the constitution. Um, we've said that uh, more than uh, the majority of shareholders, and we have um, we had four thousand shares on offer, of which uh, people could buy um, a multiple numbers of shares. Uh, but the majority of the shareholders had to live within the northern, what we defined as the Northern Rivers region. And um, we found that uh, once we closed off the share offering, uh, that about 75% of people that uh, purchase shares in the, in the, uh, in the company uh, actually live in the Northern Rivers region. So it, it's something that has come out of the community and our constitution says that um, we can't be taken over. We're here uh, for the community, and half the profits from the business uh, go back to investors, but the other half goes back to our not-for-profit not arm, and that's reinvested into the local community to help with energy efficiency and other um, renewable projects to help people reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. So it is putting the, the profits... Uh, from the retail business back into the local community through our not-for-profit arm. Yeah, right. So that's obviously a really strong local focus. So what, what, what is it about being local that, that's attracted you? Um, well, look, this particular region, it's a beautiful part of uh, Australia. Uh, people are concerned. Uh, we're, we're on the coast. We're concerned about climate change and uh, uh, rising sea levels. So... Um, and, and it's had a history too, um, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s of the alternative uh, movement um, up around Nimbin and, and those sort of places. It's a very active community, a uh, very passionate community um, and, and wanting to take the lead on, on doing uh, things that uh, are, are important to, uh, to society, I suppose. It's, it's a very active community for picking up those important issues and trying to get change through. 
So it, it was the ideal place. If it, if it was going to work anywhere as a, as a community-owned and community-supported um, business, uh, if it's going to work anywhere, it'll work here. But what we want to do, though, is not only um, take it uh, for the Northern Rivers, what we want to do is prove the model for the Northern Rivers region, get it up and operating, get it stable. But then we've had at least 20 other communities from around Australia that want to want us to help them develop a similar model for them or their local community. So once we've got this business operational, we will then help other communities around Australia achieve what they want to do in this particular space. Yeah, right. So how does a community-owned sort of structure... I guess, differ from your conventional sort of business ownership investment structures? Look, we're, um, we're a listed... Uh, we're, sorry, we're an unlisted uh, company, but, but we have shareholders, so we're subject to the same sorts of um, uh, uh, governance uh, that uh, any other company which has more than 50-odd um, uh, shareholders. So we, we've got, as I said, over a 1,000 shareholders. So we're, we're, we're a publicly listed... Uh, Sorry, we're a public company. Um, so it doesn't differ uh, as far as the ASIC regulations are concerned to what uh, any other large energy company. So we, we have to do audits, we have to report um, uh, back to shareholders. There's the whole process there of what, as a company, of what, we, uh, uh, of what we're obliged to do. Yeah, right. So how, how would it differ from something, say, down the other end of the spectrum, like a cooperative structure? Look, we looked at the cooperative structure and, and we almost went down that path, but we just found that there were a few issues around a cooperative structure that it, it was just a little bit limiting for what we wanted to do. But it, it, and, and it was almost um, came down to... Um, the perception of what a cooperative was in this region. It was uh, cooperative. We felt that people felt it was more around um, uh, food than, than energy as such. So it could have, we could have gone either way, but um, it was more the perception that a, a non-cooperative arrangement. So we don't have, uh, like a cooperative has members. Uh, we don't have members, we have shareholders. But you can also be a customer of ANOVA. You don't have to be a shareholder. You can be a, a customer in many different ways. So um, you can buy energy from us. You can buy solar panels. You can buy um, uh, uh, battery technology. And and also, as I said, we, we're giving back to the community through our not-for-profit arm. So that sort of model just seemed to... Uh, fit what, what our objectives were a little clo a little better than what a cooperative ones. Yeah, right. Yeah, look, I've, I've heard a few arguments now about um, you can set up something that is a virtual cooperative and then just drop the name and have it under a, a, a normal sort of business structure. It sounds like that's where you've gone. Yeah, it, it is. Um, as I said, look... With the we, same functions. Yeah, we could have gone... It, it, we could have easily have gone down the cooperative path. It, it, it was line ball as mm -hmm. to which path we chose, and at the end we chose the uh, the uh, the uh, proprietary limited 
um, or, 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 or registered company part as opposed to a um, to a, a, co- a cooperative. But it was very close as to which direction we went down. Mm-hmm. And other communities in Australia may want to adopt a, a cooperative model. It, it doesn't stop us from from helping them uh, in, in whatever form that might take. Yes, it's true, it's true. Now, were there any sort of similar businesses around Australia or overseas that you helped yourself and sort of modelled modeled yourself on a bit? Look, in, not really. Um, we, we looked at overseas. Um, most communities around the world um, have actually gone down the path of being a generator first. So they, they, they raise the capital uh, to, um, to build generation. In some places it's wind farms, some places it's solar, and others it's bio, biomass. Um, um, and then what they do is then try to find someone to buy that energy from that particular operation and, uh, uh, and for the buyer, the retailer, to then find customers. Sometimes the customers are the members or the owners of the generation. But it's always been, the, um, from our point of view, the, the missing link in Australia. And, and the regulations and how things work are a little different in Australia than, say, Germany, where in Germany nearly half the renewable generation is actually community-owned. But they have quite a different regulation about access to the the grid and so forth. So it makes it easier under the German regulations to, to be a generator. In Australia, uh, it's, it's, it's a little different. And the missing link has always been with communities here wanting to, uh, to generate their own electricity. They have to have a retailer to buy that energy and, and pass that through the grid. So the retailer is the only people that have the licence to deal with the, the network providers or the network operators to, to distribute the energy, have the ability to settle in the wholesale markets um, and to do the, the arrangements that are necessary. And no other communities uh, around Australia have looked at uh, trying to become a, a retailer and for one reason or another have decided it was all too hard. Um, we... Uh, Took the approach that there's, you know, that um, and I come from a, a strong energy uh, retailing background, so I, I know how the market works, and we were able to, to, to develop a, a, a financial model that actually uh, stacked up uh, to enable us to, uh, providing we raised enough capital uh, to to become operational. So it, it it really comes down to having the knowledge and the expertise to know where to start with this. So if, if someone else was trying to do it that didn't have an energy background, they would have to employ um, a consultant um, or, or find uh, that expertise. And that's not doesn't come cheap in a lot of cases. I recently retired from the energy industry and then this opportunity came up to, uh, to do something locally. So... Basically, I myself and the other founding members of the of Anova Energy, we spent 12 to 18 months of our own time, and we, we weren't paid to do this, putting it together. So it, there's a lot of time and effort, and you've got to have that capacity, that knowledge, and that drive 
to want to do something like this. And with, with, with other communities around Australia, not all of those elements always come together. So they're the first ones to do it. Um, but now that it's been done, the model, um, we can certainly help others and they wouldn't have to go through the, uh, the amount of work um, uh, or, or, or for that matter raise the same amount of capital necessary because we can use our systems, we can use our retail licence to actually uh, support them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. So it, it's fairly different in Australia from, from overseas, the, the whole regulatory setup. Look, every country has its own unique set of regulations as to how the market works. Uh, the Australian market, uh, we've, we've been going through deregulation and it's pretty much right through the, uh, the whole eastern seaboard now. Most states have introduced competition to enable customers to choose their own electricity supplier. Um, you've got the actual AGL as the dominant supplier in, uh, in uh, the ACT, but there are other retailers if customers wanted to move away from them to, to another retailer. And in New South Wales, there are something like 20-odd uh, oh, retailers um, uh, uh, from the very large, the likes of Origin, AGL, Energy Australia, to the very small like, like us that are all competing in that space. But the, the, the regulation um, is different. Uh, it's even different in, a, in from one state to another. Um, in Victoria, for instance, they have a different set of regulations to uh, to what we have in New South Wales. So you've got state elements that you also need to consider. So certainly um, Australia uh, are trying to, for the general uh, the general market, it, it's, it's a principle of is the way it will work. And that's a little different, you know, with government um, intervention and, and things that they're trying to achieve. Uh, would be a little different, say, to England or, or New Zealand, which the Australian market is very closely modelled on as the English and New Zealand markets. But you go to Europe or the United States, it's an entirely different uh, set of regulations and market operations over there. It works quite differently. So even though something like that may, uh, you know, there may be a community operation in, say, the United States, and I worked for a time in the retail industry in the United States, you couldn't take that model and uh, there's not much of that model you could take and apply here because of the totally different way the market works. Yeah, right. Well, let, let's just cut back to some real basics. What, what is the grid? The grid is, um, in fact, the, the, the grid is the, uh, the poles and wires that transport the energy from the source of generation and in New South Wales, that's most of that is in the Hunter Valley through uh, uh, black coal generation. Uh, some of it is through the Snowy Scheme uh, down your way. Um, so that is all connected into um, all those... It, it, it's like the, the road networks. They all lead into a, uh, into a, uh, a major uh, freeway, if you like, and that's the transmission network that takes the, the uh, larger volumes of energy to to central locations like Sydney or to Goulburn or to Albury, once it gets to that point, it, it then is then distributed through the local network and they're the poles and wires that you see 
in the streets with the, the lights on them and so forth, and that then goes down into into the uh, into each residence. So along the way, there are transformers that take it from uh, very high voltage and step it down to a voltage that you need in the house, which is for most houses, it's 240 volt um, is is what it's delivered in. So it's it's there's substations and, and different points along the way that modify that voltage to enable it to uh, to work in the house. And in fact, if you look at the Australian grid, um, it starts up on the uh, the northern part of Queensland, up uh, uh, up around Cairns or even further north, um, and runs all the way down to the bottom of Tasmania. So in length. Um, it's all interconnected. Even between Victoria and Tasmania, there's an underground cable, which happens to have broken at the moment, which is a, uh, which is a, a, another issue. But we have this this grid that we can transport electricity from virtually any state along the eastern seaboard and even into South Australia. It's all interconnected. So the generation that's going on in South Australia, if Victoria is uh, uh, reaching a... Uh, you know they're running out. They're, you know they're getting to a peak. You can transport energy from one state to another through the the state uh, interconnects. It's the it's the longest interconnect, uh, the longest um, uh, network, uh, I believe, in the world. Yeah, um, right. That's not a bad little achievement, there, is it? Australia has invested a lot in the uh, in the electricity network, um, despite the. the uh, the odd occasion where power might uh, might fail, um, a lot of money has been invested to to provide a system that is a very reliable system. Some would argue that maybe we've spent too much money, and, and customers are having to pay more than what they should because of the amount of money that's been invested in it. But I guess we've got what we've got, um, and uh, and it is a very reliable network, and it's it's a very well run network. It, it um, from the point of view of a, a single operator managing the whole thing and not being run by uh, different uh, different competing interests. So you, you get a bit more efficiency. Yeah, so um, I, I guess there's another smaller grid out west. And what happens in those places where there is no grid available to them? If you don't have a grid, um, what you end up with is your own... Um, you, have, you, can, you can have, uh, where it's not connected to the main grid, you can have a small town or a community with its own with its own grid. So it has a, some form of generation, again, solar and battery storage or a bit of wind or, or diesel generation in a local, um, a local town. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Some of the Aboriginal communities out way out west of New South Wales are uh, not connected to the grid it's just too far. It's more economical, and even even in northern Queensland, it's more economical to uh, to provide uh, a local infrastructure rather than running the poles and wires hundreds of kilometres. It's cheaper to actually build uh, a local generation through, as I say, solar with battery backup or diesel generation and so forth to um, to uh, do it locally. So there are different different ways uh, it can be done, um, and and even look, if people want to even go off grid where the grid runs past their front door. 
Um, so that can be done here again. You just need a, a, a lot of solar and a lot of battery storage to be able to do it, but it's, it's, it's possible for people. And um, uh, there's a chap in, uh, in Sydney um, who's actually disconnected from the grid. He's got his own uh, generation and battery operation there. Yes, he lives in a flat, I think, doesn't he? That's correct, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's ambitious, but yeah. Mm. yeah. So it, it, it is, it, it, it's, it, it's a, um, I think in a lot of cases it's an economic decision. I mean, he, he has made that decision because he has this belief um, and, and a desire to want to be independent from the grid. But for most customers, it will boil down to the economics. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean... That guy would have a very limited roof space in a, a block of flats for the amount of yeah the amount of people living there. Yeah. Um, now, what um, I guess so so we wind up using electrons in the house to turn the light on. Now that started off as a lump of coal, sort of buried in the ground. What, what's the efficiency of the the original energy that's held in that coal that's sitting in the ground? How much of that energy actually gets to our house? Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> to uh, get, take my mind back a long way there. Um, <laughs> um, the, 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 uh, look, to be honest with you, I don't recall what the uh, conversion uh, factors are between the, the coal burning and um, going through... So basically, you're burning coal to heat uh, steam turbines, and it's the steam that spins the, uh, the turbines to, to generate electricity and take it through the grid. Um, my, my my recollection is that it's it's sort of down around ten percent or something. It, it's a very low figure. It's, yeah, that's what I've come uh, up with as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can't remember the exact uh, the exact number then. Yeah, yeah. So I guess there's um the the grid that you've you've outlined there, and then some of the the off grid systems. That could you term that as sort of centralised and decentralised? Look. Um, there, there is a move. Um, I guess if we were, if we were starting today with what technology we have, we may not build the grid the way it currently exists. And I, I liken it a little bit to to the telecommunications. We've got a a copper network built, you know, 80, 90, 100 years ago. Um, to, because that was the technology at the time required, a landline to be able to communicate. If we were building, uh, if technology that we've got today and no one had a, uh, a telephone network, would we do what we did 80 years ago? Probably not. We would probably use a mobile network and, and wireless rather than putting expensive uh, copper or cable in the ground. And the same applies with electricity um, that what we're moving toward is more uh, local uh, distributed generation uh, generated locally um, rather than taking it from a central point. I think the days of massive generation look we, we've got some very large uh, fossil fuel generators in uh, Queensland, um, in New South Wales, in Hunter Valley, in the Latrobe Valley, in Victoria. All of those have an economic life, and over the next 10, 20, 30 years, 
they will all come to the end of the economic life and have to be replaced. I doubt very much that we will see another coal-fired generation plant built in Australia. So what happens when these plants uh, finally uh, are shut down? We will move to a more uh, uh, renewable sources, so we'll have a lot more wind. Uh, Solar technology hopefully will have advanced, battery technology will have advanced and prices come down. And it's all possible rather than having it in just one central point in, in, in New South Wales to actually have your solar farm around the northern rivers and another one um, down in um, uh, Albury or, or out, at, out west to, at Broken Hill to generate electricity for the local, uh, the local area rather than having to transport it hundreds or thousands of kilometres across. So we're going to see a gradual change, I suspect, in um, uh, or, or a more rise of distributed, local distributed generation and less central generation over the next 20 or 30 years. And that, as I said, that'll come about because generation power, coal-fired generation will, will stop. We won't accept coal-fired generation because of climate change. We, we will have moved on a lot way, a long way in our attitude to uh, to reducing greenhouse gas emissions uh, by then, I'm sure. I mean, we, you know, there's still some debates and issues around that, but I think we'll look back in 30 years' time and, and wonder what the, uh, why, why we didn't do something earlier. But um, So it, it really is going to become what are the new technologies that are going to be available to uh, to replace the, uh, the, the the large scale coal fired generation and that will be largely um, uh, renewables uh, you may see some gas um, uh, gas turbines and, and, and backed up by you know the hydro that we have around and then uh, new forms that haven't even been uh, uh, commercialized yet. Uh, like the, the wave technology and so forth. So, you know, there, there is other things that could come on that will see quite a different um, generation base and enable it to be distributed, not local. Yes. And, and not, not, not central. So I guess um, you're talking about generation and consumption in the same place there, whereas at mm. the moment it's separated quite a long way. Uh, by distance, so that that's really a, a very different way of using the the poles and wires that we've already got. Is there anywhere in the world that's already sort of got a really high percentage of of distributed local generation and consumption? Is it, is it technically feasible even? Uh, look, most of the the grids in the first world countries have, have been around as long as Australia's have and have all been built on this, you know, a, a fossil fuel um, base, um, although in, in France it's predominantly uh, nuclear, um, a lot of nuclear in the United States. But So those, those grids for first world countries, you know, have been built around a, a central arrangement. But I think you'll see in developing countries... Um, as I said, they probably won't um, go for... You wouldn't build a, a large central power plant necessarily. Um, you would find, you know, an African 
countries and some of the Southeast Asian countries more local generation. It's, it's, it's a more efficient way and, 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 and cheaper than, than having to build these large scale, let alone the, the, uh, you know, having to buy and transport the fuel to run these sorts of things. So it's not only just whether it's whether having a, a large central point makes economic sense, it's how are you going to fuel those large generators and, and you know in Australia we're lucky or, or unlucky as the case may be that we've got uh, a massive amounts of, um, of uh, cheap uh, fossil fuel available to us um, um, which we're trying to move away from but other countries uh, don't have that uh, that base so they're, they're having to use either um, petroleum uh, import gas um, or, or coal, but when you're having to do that, when you're having to transport that sort of energy a long distance, why not use the sun? You know, there's something like, I think in Tim Flannery's book, um, he said that there's something like 40,000 times more sunlight hits the earth each day that could, could generate electricity than what there is consumption of electricity. So we have a massive resource there already. Why not harness that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we've got these grids. Uh, we've got different forms that we could use. Uh, yeah, so what, what's the system that the grid is, is administered? I mean, let, let's go through this reasonably quickly if we can because it's terribly confusing, I find. Um, how is the grid administered from from the large generators through to the customer? Okay, you, you, the um, you've got the uh, in each state one backbone grid, which is the, the large transmission lines that you see the the, the big steel pylons with uh, with large cables hanging off them. That is um, um, owned or, or run by a one company. So the regulations say that um, we'll only have one uh, transmission company. We don't want to replicate lots of transmission lines. Uh, and they were all state-owned not that long ago, and they've since been sold off to, in a lot of instances, sold off to private companies that are now running them. Then it drops down, as I said before, down to the distribution network. Um, again, these were all state-owned Networks in New South Wales. Uh, there's three. There's um, there's Osgrid. There's Essential Energy, and there's um, Endeavour Energy. Uh, they're all um, have a an area that they're responsible for looking after. No one can come in and replicate the network. So they have an exclusive um, ownership of the network in that area, and 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 have to run that network in that area. They're very heavily regulated, um, you know, the, the, the amount of um, minutes off supply, so to make sure that uh, the thing doesn't run down. The regulator, which is independent of even the states, it's the Australian Energy Regulator, they, sit that, they set very stringent rules about how these businesses operate because they are monopolies. Um, so they, their prices are controlled, and the service levels are also detailed and, and, and controlled. So that, that's how they 
are administered at all administered under the Australian Energy Regulator. Yeah, right. So you, you, I guess starting again back at the household and working the way back, we, we need to buy our electricity through a retailer. Mm-hmm. Um, who, how does the retailer get that electricity? They're, they're not, they don't own any of the poles and wires, do they? Correct. Um, the electricity retailer's role is to negotiate um, uh, with the generator to buy the electricity that they need for their customers. Um, uh, they then pay the transmission company and the network company a fee for transporting that electricity through the grid to the household. And and so as a retailer, the retailer's role is to, as I say, is to negotiate to buy energy, to act for the customer to pay for that energy to be transported through to the grid for which they then receive a, uh, uh, a margin to cover their costs and, and, uh, and a margin for profit. Yeah, right. So, so what's a normal retailer's sort of perspective, a business perspective on, on this whole transaction? What would they be looking to do with their, with their retail activities, I guess? Well, the large, probably um, 85% of customers uh, in the New South Wales uh, and Victoria belong to or buy uh, their energy from one of the large three retailers, AGL Origin and Energy Australia. Uh, they're, they're all um, uh, Origin and uh, AGL are uh, publicly listed. I'm not sure the ownership of Energy Australia, I think it's owned from an, by an overseas uh, uh, company. Um, yes, it, it is. It's not, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, listed on the stock exchange here. Their whole operation is around having uh, its scale of operation. Um, The the more customers you have, the more efficient, or so the theory is, the more efficient you can be. Um, So they're all about trying to entice customers to either stay with them or when customers leave, trying to find customers to replace uh, those customers that have left and gone elsewhere. So th- th- that's their whole business model is about um, trying to keep as many customers as they can um, uh, with them, um, no different to, say, a, a health insurance or um, or uh, a supermarket sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's about trying to establish customer loyalty and, uh, and hope that the customers will, will stay with them and continue to pay a, uh, a, a quite a handsome margin um, to that energy company. Yeah, so I guess an over would be similar in the, in the physical aspect. So what, what differentiates an over from your, your classical big business model? Well, the, the big business model, um, they have shareholders and, and, and the profits go back, all, all goes back to the shareholders. They've got no interest in in, uh, in local communities whatsoever. They're, they're, they're either based in Sydney or Melbourne or most, in fact, are based in Melbourne. Um, um, they, they, they employ people in Melbourne uh, to run the, the, the operations um, um, and the profits, as I say, go back to the 
shareholders, of which uh, you know large, large super funds and that sort of thing are the, the shareholders there. The difference is that, with the, as I said before, the profits that we make uh, go back to the community. Uh, or it certainly goes. Some of it goes back to shareholders, which is reasonable, but but half the profits are to go back to the community to help the community achieve what they need to do. The other aspect of it is that because we do have local shareholders, they're the ones that actually tell us what they want. So we're very responsive to our shareholders and our community because, you know, everybody knows us. Um, uh, we have to respond to what the customers' needs are, not what our necessarily not imposing what the business thinks it should impose on the customers we we uh, we poll our customers we talk to our customers and we listen to what they want and try to uh, try to offer that so that's an example of profits in the northern region northern rivers region there are something like 130,000 households that uh, buy electricity we estimate that uh, that there's probably $300 million paid in electricity bills by those 130,000 households. $80 million of that is profit or operating costs that go out of the region to uh, to call centres in, in in Melbourne or, or in, in India or the Philippines uh, uh, and other... Uh, computer expenses that that retailers have, um, so that's eighty million dollars that's leaving the region. What we are, we're we're employing people locally. We're set up locally. We have our own call centre locally. So our operation expenses largely stay within the Northern Rivers region. So we're using local businesses for our um, our bookkeeping for uh, for. Um, our insurance and that sort of thing, we, we and the development of our website, we use local people to it. So it keeps the money that would normally flow out of this region, it keeps it within the community. Um, and as I said, the profits also stay within the community. Even if you're a shareholder, uh, most of our shareholders are local people, so the profits even that go back as dividends to the shareholders still stay within the community. And that's really the difference. We're, we're about supporting the local community and trying to support the, uh, the, um, the uh, local economy of, of, of the community. And if, if we could keep $80 million in this local community, that would be a, a massive uh, boost to, uh, to, to this particular region. Yeah, right. So it sounds like it's all about scale, really, and it sounds like there's an awful lot of benefits from keeping it on a reasonably human scale. Yeah, yeah look, um, the larger you become, the less flexible you become. Um, I know at the time I worked for, um, for one of the large energy companies, and um, to try to develop a, a program for customers, a, a special um, you know, if a particular community wanted to to do something, um, and they said, "Look, we, we can we can get two or three thousand people come to you uh, if you could do bill it in a certain way. So you can uh, sell the energy and call it 
you know, let's say it's um, Sydney Renewable Energy. The large energy companies don't do things unless they can get uh, 10 or 20,000 customers. It's not worth their while developing special programs or, or trying to tailor things to what local communities need unless that scale is there. Well, we, on the other hand, we, we don't have... Um, large billing systems like they have, we're far more flexible. We've got flexibility in our billing system. So if we, you know, if a few hundred customers in a particular region want to do something a little different, we can accommodate that. So we've got that flexibility. So big is not necessarily always good because you lose that flexibility of being local and, and, and doing what different people want to do. I mean, there's a... A limit to how much you can do with that, but that's really the difference between us: is that we're we're more because we're local, we can be responsive in in many different ways to what the local community want, which the large retailers just can't do. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's uh, a difference of what you're actually intending to do, whether it's suck all the money out of a community or, or try and work for the community. Correct. The, the um, another part of the. Uh, the the renewables side of it, I suppose, is that the whole uh, the whole certificates, the renewable energy certificate sort of uh, system. Would you be able mm. to mm, reasonably briefly outline <laughs> that? <laughs> yes, look, um, it's another jungle. Yes, it is. Uh, um, but I'll be as brief as possible. The the all uh, the, the Australian government uh, governments over over the years have set down a uh, a target to see more renewable energy uh, generated in Australia than what we previously had. So most of our renewable energy up until recently, up until the last 10 or 15 years, came from the Snowy Hydro Scheme. Um, the, with the advent of climate change and the awareness of climate change, the governments are saying we need to replace uh, fossil fuel with renewable generation. So they've put a target on every retailer that buys the energy from the grid that a certain proportion of their energy must come from a renewable source. So to prove uh, that the that this, any particular retailer has bought uh, their, their required amount of renewable energy, they have to produce a certificate which is called a renewable energy certificate um, and give that to the regulator to say, right, I've purchased, um, uh, let's say it's 10 units of, of energy and here are the 10 certificates. So the, the generator, when, the, when they generate electricity, um, uh, do two things. They put electrons into the grid and they tag those electrons, if you like, with a certificate to say 10 electrons went into the grid and has 10 certificates so that and 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 retailer x has bought those 10 certificates and then retailer x then gives them to the regulator to say here's proof that i have bought this amount of, of energy from a renewable source so that's that's one side so that that's largely around the renewable energy target the other the other part is is around small scale uh renewable generation uh, which is is what households and so forth do. Um, they uh, they put a solar panel on the roof, and as a 
as a subsidy to the uh, to the, um, the installer to, to the customer, uh, they get renewable energy certificates. They they calculate that that solar panel on the roof will generate a certain amount of electricity over the life of the solar panel. So they are given uh, certificates uh, up front um, to uh, and and they, that. Uh, those certificates in, in a lot of cases are two or three thousand dollars worth help subsidize the cost of the installation of the solar panels and makes it, it brings solar then in is, is being quite affordable so there are two types of certificates there right so how I guess as a retailer you're you're quite concerned with the green power scheme how does green power fit into those green, green power um, is additional to the renewable energy target. So um, if we had, um, let's say in 2020, the renewable energy target, I think is going to be about 23% of Australia's energy has to come from a renewable source. Green power is above that 23% or, or whatever that number is at any given year. So um, if, you, if a customer were to buy green power, they're doing over and above what the regulator requires of the retailer. So the customers can voluntarily say, well, I want to do more. I want all my energy to come from a renewable source. So by buying green power, that's a government-run program that gives confidence to the customer that they're going to pay more. In most cases, people will pay more for green power. Uh, than what they would for renewable energy, than for fossil fuel energy. And this program, the Green Power Program, um, is gives confidence to customers that they're getting what they're paying for. So the, the retailer has to surrender their renewable energy certificates to the program and they have to have their books audited to make sure that if, you know... Thousand customers have said they want green power, and they've all consumed this amount of energy. The retailer's got to prove that they've bought that energy uh, on behalf of those customers. So, the green power is a very credible program for managing uh, what customers want to do voluntarily around renewable energy. So, I've got panels on my house, and I export a decent amount during the day. Can I sell that to you as green power? No, uh, at, the, at the moment, um, the, the small-scale uh, renewable energy um, isn't uh, accredited under the Green Power Program. It, 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 the Green Power Program only deals with large-scale uh, renewable energy, such as wind farms, large solar farms, and so forth. Uh, the small-scale um, can't be... Uh, it, it's not approved under the Green Power Program. Um, uh, there's a bit of history there as to why that is the case, but, but effectively what the Green Power Program is trying to do is say it's additional to the renewable energy target. Small-scale renewable energy, there is no target associated with it, so it can't, you can't say that I've put this in and therefore I've done more than what, uh, what the target was. So it's, it's, it's a little different, and, and I think it's, it's a major weakness, to be honest with you, uh, because I think there are a lot of communities 
uh, wanting to put small-scale renewable in, but it can't be sold as green power. So we need a, and then it's certainly something we're looking at doing, is uh, looking at an alternative to green power, and we're working with um, with some of the uh, environmental groups and, 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 and universities to try to work out a, a credible way of harnessing uh, what the communities are doing in a small way and then um, passing that back to the local community. So as an example, you've got solar on your roof or you may belong to a, a local community that wants to put solar panels on the, on the roof of the community hall. You're exporting some of that energy back to the grid. You might say, as a, you might like to, to buy that energy. Uh, there's no... Uh, there's no credible program today that enables you to do that but what we're looking at doing is uh, is trying to find a, a credible way of making sure that if you wanted to buy that energy we can uh, buy it and sell it to you and have our books audited to make sure what we're doing is uh, yeah, is, uh, is credible. Yeah and I guess that's one of the main reasons Anova's here eh? Correct. Yeah nice one. Um, we're starting to run out of time. Um, so you've mentioned once or twice that you 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 have your your local focus and you'd like to sort of keep it that way. But to help the rest of Australia, you're willing to sort of help other modular businesses set up in other places. What's the rationale behind that? Well, that's cool. I mean, our focus is not about being a retailer for the sake of being a retailer, our focus is, is helping Australia become less dependent on fossil fuels, reduce the greenhouse gas emissions and, 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 and lower the impact of, of climate change. So that's where we're coming from. And we can, we, we've seen a way of doing it in the Northern Rivers region and, um, and we, we can manage that in this region. As I said, other communities around Australia also want to do that sort of thing. We want to see this uh, grow um, so that other communities can do the same thing. But we don't, we're not pretending uh, that we in the Northern Rivers region know what the needs are of the people in Bega or, uh, uh, or Canberra or wherever that might be. What we want to do is make sure that if, is, is the local community own the, recognise the problem and own the solution themselves. It's not about us imposing on them, this is the way you have to do it. So each community will have their own approach to wanting to to do something around the in, in the renewable energy space. We will help them as much as we can achieve what their goals are rather than telling them this is the way it's got to be. So some communities may want to get their own retail license. We can certainly assist them by giving them advice on how to do that and, and what's involved. Other communities may say, look, well, there's only two or 300 of us here. It's just not worthwhile, but we want to build our own generation. Can you help us? So we would say, yep, look, you, um, you get those customers together and we will facilitate the sale of that energy to the to the local community, and, and in the process, we will share the. Uh, uh, there, there will be some costs which we will recover from the customer. And we'll share the profits with you. Yeah, right. So you've also got a non-profit arm. Do you want to just explore mm. a little bit more what 
what you're, you're aiming, well, obviously you're, you're aiming to get the, the profits back into the community, but what sort of projects are you looking at? Uh, look, it, it's very early days, and until the um, until the business uh, is op- operational and making a profit, uh, there's not a lot we can do at this stage, uh, other than apply for government grants to do specific projects. Um, but the sorts of things we're looking at doing, and, and we've already in the process of hiring volunteers to go out to people's homes and do energy audits. Uh, and show them how they can reduce their energy or show them where their energy is going and what they can do to reduce the amount of energy. And if necessary, um, uh, talk to them about um, putting solar panels on and, and, and whether it be viable in their particular uh, location. Look, a lot of people um, that are in the, um, uh, in the community here uh, can't put solar on because they're renting a house. So there's no incentive for... Uh, for them to, for the landlord to actually put solar on the roof. Uh, so they, they're sort of missing out a little bit in their solar revolution and the opportunity to, to, to reduce their energy costs. So the not-for-profit arm will help. Certainly a major target is the, uh, is, is the rental market to, to help them uh, achieve what the fortunate owners, uh, owner-occupiers are, are able to do. So it, it's... It, it may be around subsidising the, the cost of solar, working with the, the, the landlord and putting the solar panels on and working out a, uh, a financial arrangement where the, the tenant can get a benefit and the landlord uh, is not having to pay a large amount up front for solar panels. So there are things like that that we're looking at doing to, to really help um, uh, reduce uh, the energy and to open open up the whole rev- the the, uh, the renewable revolution to uh, to a wider group of people than it, it currently is. Yeah, right. So uh, when can we down south here in in Canberra buy uh, buy electricity from you? Um, look, it, it, at the moment we're just focusing on on the essential energy network area. Um, uh, around around here, but what we would have to do is uh, set up a a product because Canberra has a different network. Um, Actual run the network in in Canberra, so we would have to enter into an agreement to distribute the energy to the di- different homes. That's all quite uh, costly and time consuming uh, for us for one or two customers. What we would want to do is get the local community down there to get enough customers together to say, right, we, we, we want to, to, uh, to do something with you um, and here is our customer base. So we get a pledge that there will be you know, two, three hundred customers or thousand customers. Well, I, I don't know what the economics are yet. We, we, that's further down the track. But it, it will be having to uh, get the local community involved and getting them together to want to run it on our behalf or, or their behalf in that area and we will give them the support. So it's really more up to the local community when they're ready uh, and able to do it than, than us. So it's, it's not an overcoming down and telling uh, Canberrans what you should be doing. It's the local community deciding what they want to do and us supporting the local community. So when that local community is, is ready to do something, 
they'll come and talk to us and we, we can then take it from there. But to be fair, we, we're still in the process of getting our business up and operational. <laughs> so it's probably, it's probably we don't want to have those discussions probably for another 12 months. <laughs> yes, at least. Well, we've got enough on our plate right now. No worries. We have to leave, but is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? Uh, no, look, I think we've uh, had a couple of, an awful lot of topics here, Scotty. No appreciate worries. the uh, opportunity. All right. Well, thank you. Steve Harris from Anova Energy. Good on you. Thanks, Scotty.